Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. You're listening to an episode of STR Conversations, hosted by myself, Jasper Rivers, and Eric Muller. Every Friday, we release a new episode where Eric and I have an organic conversation and discuss what's happening in the short-term rental industry and share what we're learning in our hosting businesses and through working with the thousands of students that go through our coaching programs. So this episode is brought to you by Legends X, our 90-day short-term rental accelerator program that's designed to help you skill your hosting business by getting you out of the daily operations so you can free up your time and become the CEO of your business instead of the manager and that allows you to focus on high-level tasks that really move the needle in your business and allow you to grow. And we do that by giving you the systems and teaching you how to build a team so you can actually delegate all those lower-level tasks. So for more information about Legends X and how to join, visit strlegends.com slash X. That is strlegends.com slash X. You are listening to an episode of SDR Conversations of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast hosted by Jasper Rivers and Eric Miller. So let's dive in. Get paid for your pad. 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 Welcome to podcast 543 of Get Paid for Your Pad. We are your hosts, Jasper Rivers and Eric Muller. And today we are talking about converting old school vacation rental communities into modern short-term rental experiences. Eric, are you ready to <laughs> dive into this amazing topic today? I am, Jasper. Yes, yes. I, I why like the, why uh, do you always have to laugh when I introduce the topic? I just... I find life amusing because we go, because <laughs> there's just, you know, there's always so much going on behind the scenes. And now we're live doing a podcast on one of our favorite topics. So, yeah. Yeah, man. I'm excited to dive into this. Obviously, we talked about it a little bit in the past, you know, of like what we see as the biggest opportunity of converting what we call old vacation rental communities into modern short-term rental experiences. So yeah, we'll see. We're, you know, obviously this is very present to what we're doing with Free Wild and the model and I think it's going to evolve this year and into next year. But yeah, let's talk about how we came up with this and why we think this is the biggest opportunity. Obviously, you know, if, if you guys have been following us, maybe, you know, you're new to the podcast, but we, purchased a old vacation rental community. When was that? A year and a half ago? September 2021. Feels like yesterday. But yeah, bought this old vacation rental community and just with some modern touches on the marketing, on the operations, on the messaging, we were able to increase the revenue pretty quickly on that, right? And the occupancy. Do you remember the numbers of... We should have prepped for this, but do you remember the numbers ahead of, <laughs> off the top of your head? On that, the first 45 uh, days, we increased occupancy and ADR. Yeah, yeah. Like the, for the, we bought it in September. And yeah, within a few months, we were, we were up like 30% or so. Yeah. 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 So, and through that process, what we recognized is that there's this huge sector of the market that 
have been in business for many, many years, right? They, they have these old vacation rental, either single family homes or boutique hotels, cabin communities, all of that, that have been ran as almost like campgrounds for 20, 30, 40 years that are in great locations. And the old guard is kind of like retiring, kind of passing it off to the, to the new guard, right? I see the biggest opportunity and where the industry is moving is individuals and larger companies and what we're trying to do with Freewilds is coming in and acquiring these older properties, bringing it up to a modern standard, and not just design, but the full experience, the check-in experience, the cleaning, the amenities, the the marketing, you know, all of that, turning it into a full experience. And I think we're going to see dramatic increases when it comes to revenue on those properties and equity, of course. So, and I just think that also aligns with what's happening to the industry with more regulation coming into place with short-term rentals, more competition coming into place with short-term rentals. And it's just getting, you know, I think it's the market, a lot of urban markets are getting saturated. And I see a lot of these old vacation rental communities and boutique hotels really be in the way to ultimately scale real estate wealth in the short-term rental space. You know, when we were in Puerto Rico in 2019, we had a, a group of the top operators in the short-term rental space with us there, right? It was the start of our company, start of Le- SCR Legends Mastermind at, at the mm-hmm. time, right? And I'd never really stayed at an old school vacation mental company or community. So I, all I knew was like, oh, you know, like there's, there's all this technology and like this business is like, you know, 80% is like automated and there's, you know, there, there's so much that you can do with all these tools and these tools have existed since, since I came into the space. And I remember we, we had one person who was very old school, right? Um, mm-hmm. the way yeah. that she operated her business, her name is, was Alma. She has a great company out there in Puerto Rico. I'm blanking on the name of it now. But anyway, like we, we were talking about, she was managing everything on Excel sheets and she had a very old school approach to it. And I remember thinking like, I was like, oh, wow, like that's interesting. You know, like I, I, I wasn't expecting that because to me, like those, those tools, it was so, they were so ingrained in, in the, in, you know, in the Airbnb space. So that was like kind of the first time where I recognized like, oh, that's interesting. And I remember the conversation at the mastermind then was there was a lot of, people like all the members that were telling her like, Hey, you know, you got to upgrade your systems and you got to like implement technology because otherwise it's going to be difficult for you to continue to compete with other operators that are more efficient. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. She partnered with a modern short-term rental manager to take over her business. Right. Cause like what she did really well was able to find, she knew the people in the marketplace and she was able to sign on clients really well. But what she was struggling with was the, the industry changed from this like back of the napkin style property management to this modern short term rental side. Right. So he came in with all of his technology and was able to streamline the experience. So there was a great partnership there, but a hundred percent, man, that's, that's a good, good example. And that's where I see the biggest opportunities here. And I'm really, you know, like you can do this on an individual level, like on a single unit, you know, single property or on, as we're mapping out free wild, you know, I see this as a, a national opportunity to go after these projects that are short distances from local 
from metro areas where there's i mean Idlewild is a perfect example of this right where it's an old school vacation rental market and you know the property managers run and and the owners of these hotels and and vacation rental communities have been running it you know they hasn't nothing has changed over the last 30 plus years right so being able to come in with the idea of okay i'm going to now take this asset be able to restructure the way that we're marketing it, market it to a brand new type of avatar, guest avatar, upgrade the furniture, upgrade the experience, upgrade the marketing, the check-in process, the whole thing, which you could do very quickly, very quickly. You're now taking this asset and very quickly flipping it and increasing the revenue on this. And if you're able to hold those properties in a market the equity over time is just going to be incredible, right? And what's great about this too is if you're focused on turning this into a wealth play, for example, like the business plan that we're putting together for Freewild, a big part of this is for us to acquire these types of properties around the country. And we're going to be looking for properties that are existing short-term rentals or have hotel licenses in place. We're not going to be the guys that are coming into the marketplace with these vacation short-term rental properties and being the brand new ones that are trying to bring a new asset class into the marketplace, right? So it's a great way to kind of hedge against the competition. It's a great way to hedge against the market shifts over time. Yeah. So I think, I think it's a huge opportunity. And I know a little, like some people are touching on it now. Boutique hotels, it's becoming a very popular thing. And I just see that being like a major trend leading that way. It's also something I'm noticing, like the more professional you get within the short-term rental space, if you want to start acquiring properties, more and more people are going towards that space of taking over these projects or boutique hotels. So yeah, I see that being a huge opportunity to get into the space versus trying to build something and go from the ground up. Like that's, you know, that's a huge process. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what this turns into. And like for us too, you know, those things are hard to come by. A lot of people, like when they own them, they hold on to them for a long time. But you're going to see, you know, from now and into the future, a lot of people are retiring and we're going to start seeing these pop up on the market over time. Yeah, for sure. We, I mean, we're already seeing in, in Idlewild that there's a limit to how many of these new type of properties can come onto the market, right? With not just the mm-hmm. regulations, but also like the expenses, the number of permits, like all that stuff, right? So, you know, first of all, I remember when we took over this property and we, you know, we're buying a business, right? That's one thing to keep in mind. Like, you're not just buying a, a property, right? You're buying the business. And I was expecting quite a lot of documentation and, and, and whatnot. But it was, you know, like you're, you're saying, like running a business of a napkin, but that, that was pretty much like how this, this, this thing literally was being operated, right? Yeah. It literally, she has, she's, we, we received some photos of some, pieces of paper, right? With information on it of like how to get access to the website and and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, to me, it's a pain in the butt, but to me, like that's a part of the opportunity, right? If someone is running a boutique hotel or a cabin community or an old vacation rental property, and they're writing down on a piece of paper, their operations and the details and the reservations, like there's huge opportunity to optimize that, right? So yeah, when we bought that property, it, it was hilarious. Like she, she's like, you're going to get everything when, when you buy. We're going to give you a whole package, the whole thing. 
there was two pieces of yellow paper with handwriting down of like who the who the next guests were, who the contractors were, and guesses to the logins to their websites. And we're like, all right, well, and it wasn't a big deal for us because we were able to take it over very quickly, move our people in. We had to replace quite a bit of people that were on the project. But yeah, I mean, you know, already the cash flow and the equity increase on these properties are incredible. But now what we're doing phase two of Freewild is we're finally starting renovations on the, on the existing units, which is exciting. But we're also going through, and this is for a different podcast. We're also going through the process now of going through, uh, what's called a CUP to redesignate the property, rezone the property as hotel use which we don't see that being a major challenge. It's expensive, but long-term, once we get the hotel use and we get the approval to build six to eight additional A-frames on this property, equity of this property and the value of this property is going to shoot through the roof. And then regardless of what happens with the Airbnb short-term rental industry and licenses and that whole thing, residentially in that marketplace, we're secured with an actual hotel that we're marketing to the modern traveler who's looking for short-term rental experience. Yeah. So to me, it's just like, it's like, let's go, man. Let, and let's buy these things all around the country. And, you know, like we're starting to put together the markets that are ideal for this, that some players are in, but it's not, not the biggest companies and investment companies that we have to compare to. And I'm also, one last thing is like, I'm noticing it here in San Diego. So you know, I have a good friend who is buying up quite a bit of hotels and anything that has a hotel permit, lodging permit on it. He's buying these old hotels, these old bed and breakfasts, all of that stuff that have the licenses and he's going in and modernizing it and bringing it to the, the modern short-term rental travelers. So mm-hmm. I just think there's a massive opportunity there for, for the people that want to play that game. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if you're like us, if you're planning to buy multiple, cause you know, like this, you know, obviously this was our first one, but in the future, like when we buy our second one, our third one, our fourth one, we're already going to have that, that free wild brand that we're going to put on top of just there's the operational efficiencies, but then there's the brand and the people that already know us that's been, that have yep. been to our previous properties, right? That's going to add a whole different layer of value on top of it. Right. Right. I'm excited about coming out with some podcasts and videos about the process that we're going through right now, developing the Freewild brand. And one thing that we're doing is we're building a business model, a business plan, and a pitch deck to start bringing to investors to raise money for this brand. And through that process is we're studying you know, the giants before us that have done something similar or something that inspires us that can fit our model and that we can take some inspiration from. And man, it's everything that we preach about in the Legends X program that the companies at the highest levels, they all have the same type of thing, a clear vision, clear operations and clear scale, a clear plan to scale that they're bringing to their investors. And I'm excited about talking about that once we, once we put it in a place where we can kind of present and educate on it, but there's certain trends that we're seeing and if you're in the Airbnb space, the short-term rental space, and you're not acquiring, but you're focused on, say, property management, still the same 
approach to this, that we need a very clear brand of who we are as a host, who we're serving, how our properties kind of stand out. I mean, I talk about this all the time. We talk about this all the time on the podcast, but now it's evident. Like I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching the companies that are fundraising. I'm watching the companies that are selling, taking on equity partners, scaling like crazy. And they all have the same type of ingredients, which is very interesting to watch. So I, I agree. Like once we launch the free wild brand and what goes behind it to scale that brand, once you start picking up these old vacation rental communities, boutique hotels, you know, short term rentals, and you slap the brand that you're, you're developing there, you have a bit of a different play in place. You don't have to just rely on the OTAs, right? Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of direct to consumer brands that are out there that are doing extremely well scaling their short-term rental brands off of Airbnb and going direct to the consumer, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a whole nother model and different focus on when you're growing. But the value of your company when you play at that level is, you know, it's tenfold. It's not just the asset, the income that you're bringing in through the, the real estate or through the short-term rental, but also now you have brand equity, which opens you up to so much more possibilities, you know, extra lines of income, you can sell the brands, you can hold the real estate, sell the brand and the real estate. So yeah, this is like true wealth creation, a lot of freaking work, but it's fun once you get into it. And like now that you're the, the brand vision is coming to, to life, man, it's just like that stuff's pumping me up. Yeah. Well, you're going to be in at Hicksville in a couple of weeks, right? Our coach, our legends ex coach, Rebecca, she, you know, she's essentially doing that, right? She, I think she gets like 90% direct bookings for yep. her Hicksville properties. And she actually, you know, interestingly enough, the, you know, she and her partner, they actually bought a property in Idaho too. So we're, awesome. we're, we're very close to, <laughs> we're very close. Right to around now, the corner, but, man. It's so cool. Yeah. You, I was going to say like, like she, she told me that like with the, when she opened an, a second Hicksville, like she immediately getting a lot of bookings from people that stayed at the other Hicksville property in Joshua Tree, right? So right. even, even with two properties, you can, you can already see that at additional value. 100%. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, we, you don't have to be these massive companies to have the power of a short term rental brand, right? You can be a mom and pop operator. So yeah, I mean, part of the Hicksville thing is we're working on a YouTube series that we're going to launch some point this year where we are going and studying. Think of like Anthony Bourdain meets short-term rentals, right? Where we're going, we're capturing and telling the story of the property, the people, and the, the process that goes behind running some of the most unique short-term rentals in the world, right? So obviously, we're, we're going to be tracking what we're doing with Freewild, but then also leveraging this platform and this show to tell the story behind that. And we're starting with Hicksville and to focus on that directly, right? They bought one property that was really unique. They took over a brand, turned it into their own brand, and now they're acquiring a second property where they're taking that over and up-leveling it and how you can leverage a small brand to start expanding. Another company that does that extremely well on a air quote mom and pop level is The Bolt, Seth and Tori Bolt out of Tennessee, Chattanooga. They just they created a really cool treehouse brand in South Carolina 
And when they went to go expand into Tennessee, they leveraged their brand and their they created a Facebook community of their travelers, the whole thing. So when they went to go launch, they pre-sold their bookings mm-hmm. for a year on the vision of what they were going to build. Then they were able to take that and go to a local bank and say, Hey, look, this is our plan. This is our financials. And we have X amount of bookings confirmed and money in the bank from our guests, our customers that are ready to go. All we need is the funding to build this out. And they were able to leverage that to create this incredible... I mean, I hope we can get them on board for the series. I'm sure we will. But man, they created such an awesome freaking brand and product down there. And now they're doing the same thing, expanding into different markets, right? So we can do this on a mom and pop side. We don't need to do it at the highest level. So you know, even the individuals that are managing other people's properties and Airbnbs, we could literally do the same. You don't just because you don't own the property doesn't mean that you can't have a brand attached to it, right? I mean, Vacasa is like the biggest thing, right? Like think of their brand that they were able to develop based off of managing other people's properties. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I'm excited about telling that story and discovering that, and yeah, so. Going back to the topic of the podcast, I think, you know, being able to find these old vacation rental communities, turning them into modern short term rental experiences, attaching a brand to it becomes such a valuable play in this space. Yeah. And I'm excited for us to do that and share that with the world and share our, our learning lessons and all the things that come along with that process. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about like how much how much has things have changed in the last like ten years or so versus you know, like I think a lot of these communities, like you mentioned, like they, nothing has changed for maybe 40, 50 years, pretty much, right? The, the experience of, you know, there's somebody to welcome you when you arrive and you get a key and, you know, there's a, maybe an old school phone. I always joke about the old, you know, the old school phones with, with like a wire attached to the wall. Mm that you still see in, the, in a lot of places. Like I, I, I asked my, my nephew, he's like, 18, 19. And like, I don't know how to, how, I don't think he knows how to use that device anymore. Like a rotary, right? rotary phone. <laughs> yeah. You know, those old school phones with a horn and you put it in your ear. I don't yeah, know how yeah, yeah. Know you're know younger than me. Is. You might, you might not have experienced that. You're, you're pretty, no. are you iPhone generation or are you still? No, no, that? no. I, I've had, plenty, I've had all the phones in my life. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, let's say from like 1980 until let's say like 2010 or something, right? Probably like not a whole lot changed when it comes to, when it came to the experience, right? But now, now I feel like everything is changing so fast. Yeah. Right. Just the, the, everything is changing so fast. And it's like, as we were doing research for, for free wild, you know, we're looking at these, these other companies. And I'm realizing, you know, and there's a lot of, you found a lot of information for us to go through. I was kind of impressed by how much information is out there publicly about all these companies. If you do some digging and, yeah. you know, you're, you're reading the plans and everything and you start realizing like, oh, things are changing so fast now that you really, it's really important to look at all these other companies to see what they're doing. Right. Versus, versus like, you know, 20, 30 years ago, that might have not have been as important. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's, you know, obviously everything, everything continues to change and evolve. And I, you know, again, a couple of weeks ago, 
maybe a month ago, we kept hearing the whole thing, BNB bust, BNB bust, right? And the more that I look into the marketplace and the industry as a whole, I realize I'm like the, the companies that and the hosts that focus on brand, they focus on a unique asset. They like everyone has something that's unique about them that they're bringing to the table. They're doing extremely well. So maybe on the next podcast, maybe this is going to be the first YouTube video that we launch going into like the studying of the market research that we did for that we're doing currently for Freewild and the competitors that, that we see in the space against Freewild. Those companies, they're raising millions of dollars. They're expanding like crazy. Their occupancy rates are through the freaking roof. Right. And it's like their BNB bus does not exist to them at all. Right. <laughs> because they have a clear vision. They have a clear asset, a clear avatar. They have clear ways of marketing to them. Then they have world class hospitality systems in place and people. And they have a very clear way of scaling it. Right. So maybe Airbnb is slowing down and the average Airbnb host that's not focused on anything other than list it and forget it, or just has not yet experienced the process of turning what they're doing, their, the side hustle into a real company. They may be affected by the slowdown on the OTAs, right? And that's going to happen. You have more competition, more listings, more restrictions. You know, it's, it's getting more expensive for people to travel. So like all this stuff, it comes into play for sure. But on the other side of the coin, when you talk to the people that are really in the industry growing real companies, they're scaling like crazy. They have zero plans of slowing down. They have zero, there's zero writing on the wall of B&B bust, right? And it's purely just a way of, in my opinion, marketers to grab your attention. And two, the individuals that are really not tied into the market, they may be playing just on a smaller level, one or two listings. The moment that their business gets affected, they believe psychology that we're going through this bust. But in actuality, just like any other market from beginning of time, we have the ups and downs for sure. But there's so much freaking growth, man. Like so much that you and I are putting everything into scaling this company right now. And our competitors that we look at, I don't even want to call them competitors. They're you know, these, these other companies that are at the scale that we want to get to, they have zero plans of slowing down. It's pretty incredible to watch and inspiring. So yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, believe it's in really BNB bust, as you can tell. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, we talked about this the other day that like, I'm, I have a financial background. So to me, it's like graphs always, there's always ups and downs, you know, nothing goes up in a straight line. So, but yeah, so you know, one other thing that I found really interesting as we're doing research and, and we're trying to find companies that inspire us and that are similar to what we're trying to build is there's not a lot of them. No. Right. There's really only like a handful. Yeah. Which kind of blew my mind as well. Yeah. It's pretty awesome, man. Like you look at pretty much any other industry, right? Like first off, there's a lot of hotels that's hotel brands. Or everywhere. And I forget the amount of hotel rooms. I think it's like 1.5 billion. Is that right? Am I making that up? I have no uh, idea. I, I wrote it down. I, yeah, I'm going to, I'm trying to, I, would, I did so much research over the last few days. I forget the amount of rooms. I, I'll, I'll, I'll correct this on a different podcast or in a video. 
So hotels are everywhere, but when you come to the short-term rental space, there's definitely a different gap between the hotel traveler and the short-term rental traveler, of course. But when you look at if you're somebody who's focused on scale and building a brand and you know having a brand that's playing at a high level, there's only a handful of short-term rental management companies at scale. And there's even fewer real estate investment brands that are playing at a high level in the short-term rental space. And the ones that are, are pretty new. They've been around for less than you know 10 years or maybe going on 10 years. My point is there's so much growth. There's so much opportunity to bring something unique to the space, right? And I just because there's a lot of short-term rental listings, that doesn't scare me. I think there's a lot of listings, but there's so much room for a brand and to bring something unique and service a certain type of person, right? Traveler in that space. So yeah, I agree. I mean, we can count the air quote competitors on one hand that are playing at a high level. Everybody else is regional or local to their marketplaces. And even them are not really focused on brand and scale. They're kind of just focused on more listings, which doesn't necessarily mean more scale. You know, one thing that I started realizing as we're doing research too, is the line between short-term rentals and hotels is it's getting, it's getting a little less black and white, right? It's, it's getting it's becoming more of a gray area almost. What's the the main difference between a short-term rental and a hotel in European? Short-term rentals, in my opinion, is more freedom, right? So in a hotel, you know, we're looking at boutique hotels and we made an offer on a couple over the last few months. And with a hotel, you're targeting somebody different who's looking for a different type of experience in your marketplace. They're going to just a room that just has a bed and a bathroom. No kitchen, no real living area, and they're surrounded by other people in other walls. There's no freedom to that experience. You know, that serves somebody for sure and an experience without a doubt. But the short-term rental side is guests are looking for a unique experience that they're not going to get at an everyday hotel. Number two is they, they want their freedom. They want more space. It's really what it's coming down to at the end of the day. They want their their sitting areas. They want their kitchen. They want whatever comes along with that. They want that full freedom of choosing how they want to experience their day. In a hotel, you have predictable ways that you're going to experience your day. You know that you're not eating your meals at the property. If you are, it's room service and whatever else, which is cool for its own place. To me, that's the biggest difference of what I see when I talk to guests that stay at our place. And then when we're looking at these boutique hotels, you know, the numbers, they're good, but they're, the experience is not at long story short. I was looking at a property last night, a, I think it was a 37 unit boutique hotel or 47 unit boutique hotel in Colorado. It was pretty cool. They had three different structures with all those units in it and some units. Were like regular hotel units, and then they turn others into suites. The suites that had a kitchen, bathroom, and a living area, they kind of just combined three rooms together, essentially. Their occupancy rate were above 80%. And then the individual rooms that were just... And they were beautiful rooms, right? Mountain views and the whole thing that were just a, a regular hotel room were operating at 40%. 
occupancy, right? Give or take, depending on the, the view and all that stuff. So I read that. I'm like, oh, there's such a higher demand for those because you can customize the experience a bit different for the traveler. So I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to see how Freewild evolves because I thought that we were going to be buying more boutique hotels. And the more that I go into building this business model and studying the marketplace and all of that, the more I realize like the individual experience of the guests is so important to the brand and scalability of this that I just don't think you can deliver 100% in a hotel. Yeah, it's interesting. <clears throat> it's interesting, right? Because I mean, I'm staying in a, a a buddy of mine has a ho hotel here in Panama, actually in the jungle. And we're staying there with a group of people this weekend, you know, and he told me initially, he told me that he, he was building a hotel, right? And then he was asking me about, Hey, you know, can you help me with like putting these, putting these things on Airbnb? And that's when I started realizing, I was like, okay, wait, he's building a hotel, but he, he wants to be an Airbnb, right? So that's where I guess in the marketing side, it, it gets meshed up a bit. But when I think of a hotel and for me, like the biggest difference I think is, it's it's the experience of the whole check-in experience and I know not all hotels are like this anymore but every every time I stayed in a hotel and I have to stand in front of reception to get a key and then they ask you to fill out a form and like literally fill out information that they already have because you booked online right so you have your name you already have your email address and then they give you a piece of paper and you have to write down <laughs> that information Every time that I have that experience, I'm I'm thinking like, man, this is so crazy. It's crazy to, <laughs> to that we still need to do this. You know, I I used to think the same. My my view on that has changed a bit because I forget who we who I was listening to, but they were talking specifically about that at a hotel and why that's so important for hotels to have the person at the front desk checking people in specifically at night. Right. Because if you think of traditional hotel, right now we're talking about bigger lobbies, bigger properties, more rooms, closer, you know, most likely in urban areas, things like that. Right. Those experiences, you have so many people staying in those properties. And especially if you're in urban areas, this is actually a gatekeeper to who's entering into the property. Right. So. When I would, you know, I rarely go to Vegas. It's not really my place, but you know, the few times that I have gone, I was standing in line thinking the same thing. Like, well, this is stupid. You know, just check me <laughs> in and, you know, I'm good to go. What I've learned recently is that this is an additional way to prevent the wrong people from entering the property, right? Which is a huge issue in short term rentals of how do you control who's coming in and out of your house, right? Now, in short term rentals, you have, less risk because it is just, you know, in theory, just one property versus an entire building that you're leasing out and everyone has access to. Obviously, if you're in apartment buildings, that's different. So the reason why I think hotels still to this point hold that is really just a gatekeeper to prevent the wrong people from entering, right? Specifically at night, specifically in urban areas, drunk people, predators, things like that, right? You know, last time I was in Vegas, I forget what hotel I stayed at, but they had digital check-ins for sure. But you had to go to the front desk to pick up a, a key for the elevator, right? That was the biggest mm. difference. So it saves you a lot of time, but they're still checking to make sure that you're the right people. So yeah, yeah, yeah. my views on that have changed quite a bit. 
it's interesting to look at some of these hotels that are trying to change that experience. Like I mentioned there's a couple of times on the podcast, but the Citizen M is one that yeah. I that I always look at what they're doing because there the, the experience is so different. Like you walk in and there's a person, there's no there's no lot there's no reception or there's nothing like that. There's a few checking like machines, like you said, but there's a person who will greet you and say like, Hey, welcome to the Citizen M hotel. You can, here's, here's the machine where you can check in, you know, and you're like, Oh, okay, great. And all you need to do is type in your name and then boom, you get a key card and you're good to go. Yep. That's all. It takes like five seconds, you know, right. and it's just, to me, it's just so much nicer to walk into a hotel. First of all, there's a, there's a person that greets you because that person is right at the door, not behind the desk. Right. Right. So that's a better experience. And then just, it's so fast. Like you type in your name, prints out the key card and you're good to go. I understand like what you're saying, like in this hotel, it's like there's a security aspect to it. Right. Yeah. But you can still change that experience. Yeah. And it'll change. It'll evolve. And you know, there's so much technology out there that's supporting on that. And yeah, I mean, as long as you have, you know, we're talking about a couple of different things, right? It's like, when we start growing Freewild, the locations, Idlewild is going to be the smallest one that we're going to have. It'll have, what, 10 units there? But realistically, the model is to have anywhere between 25 and 50 units on each property that we buy and develop right over time. We still will have a human being there dealing with the property, right? So like the, the whole idea of like this... And it drives me crazy when I see it on social media and all this, like automate your Airbnb business and you don't have to deal with it. You know, it's like set up the Airbnb business, put some tech technology in it, list it and forget it. And you don't have to deal with the property at all. You're dealing with human beings, a lot of human beings coming in and out of these properties. You have to, you have to be aware of that. These are not androids coming in and out of these properties. So the more that you have in one location, the, the bigger the risk becomes of managing the quality experiences there, right? So we will have someone that's living on site. Rebecca and Erica do the same with, with their units, right? We will have somebody on site. Doesn't mean that you have to go and check in and get the keys and check IDs and the whole thing, but we have eyeballs watching what's happening and ears listening to what's happening in the area, right? So it will evolve for sure. But I think when you look at these bigger hotels, like, they have such a such a major issue, such a major risk in those units of like having so many human beings coming in and out of there that it's just another way to confirm where they're at. Plus, just imagine if you had, you know, a hotel with two, three hundred rooms in there and the process of updating your systems and going mm -hmm. from like a old school check-in to this modern check-in process, like how big of a nightmare that would be to take that stuff on. So, but yeah, well, with that said, uh, uh, focusing on these old vacation rental communities, turning them into modern short-term rental experiences and doing stuff like this, I think that's going to be the biggest opportunity. That's the play. That's what we're going for. That's what we're going to be known for in, in 10 years or maybe that's five right. years or one year. Maybe two. <laughs> two years next month after this podcast. Awesome. Cheers. That's it. Stay focused, That's stay uh, energized. Make sure that you guys are listening and learning from the right people. You surround yourself with the right people. There's a lot of negative people out there, man. And it's just getting louder and louder in my opinion. So yes. yeah, that's it. Keep tuning into this. We'll do our best to be positive and 
focus on the things that That's actually right. do work. Don't let them scare you. It's all going to be okay. It's always okay. With that set, we'll be back on Monday with another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. Have a great weekend, everybody, and we'll see you soon. Adios. Thank you so much for listening to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you want to learn more about air hosting on Airbnb and building a short-term rental business, then go ahead and subscribe to our daily email newsletter at getpaidforyourpad.com. And if you're just starting out on Airbnb, make sure to download our free Airbnb starter guide at getpaidforyourpad.com forward slash get started. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening for a chance to win lifetime access to the Short-Term Rental Profit Academy, which is our starter course for anybody who wants to start hosting on Airbnb. So every month we select one reviewer at random and give that person access to the course. So thank you for listening. Check back every Monday for a new episode of The Host Show and every Friday for an episode of STR Conversations of the Get Paid for Your Pad podcast. Thank you and see you soon. Get paid for your pet.